You're listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of SD Times. And now, here's Christina Cardoza, news editor of SD Times. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Joining me today is Maxwell Flitton, author of the upcoming book, Rust Web Programming, a hands-on guide to developing fast and secure web apps with the Rust programming language. Hey, Maxwell, thanks for joining us, and uh, congrats on your upcoming book. Oh, thank you for having me. Yes, it's been an exciting year for Rust, I think. So. Definitely. And I know, um, you know, Rust is still relatively a new programming language, but it's been gaining a lot of attention as of lately. Even in the Stack Overflow developer survey, it's been named, you know, the most loved programming language for five years. So what do you think has contributed to the success or to the recent interests? I think it's the combination of uh, memory safety with speed. So before, we used to always have to have a trade-off between having a slower language that had a garbage collector that kind of stopped temporarily to check all pointers and try and uh, make sure that the memory is managed. Or we would go for something faster like C++ where you'd have to manage the, um, the memory yourself which leads, leads to a lot of bugs and security flaws and stuff like this. I mean, there's obviously competent C++ developers out there, but it kind of uh, slows down the development and it kind of increases the barrier to entry for these really fast programming languages. And what Rust managed to do, which was really unique, was it managed to not have a garbage collector, but with borrowing rules, it still managed to keep it memory safe which is a complete game changer. So you can develop stuff quickly and safely with confidence and still have that speed. Great. Now your book focuses on web development with Rust, but when I've talked to developers, you know, Rust has more commonly been associated with the embedded programming or robotics world. So why web development for Rust? Is there anything that's happened in the evolution of the language that makes it a good fit now? Yes. Yeah, so um, you're right. Yeah, initially, it was embedded systems because, you know, it was fast and low memory. And with um, web development, there's a lot of moving parts in terms of you have to get the authentication right, you have to get the middleware done, you have to connect to a database. And um, these are all very vulnerable as well, because the idea behind web programming is that anyone can access it. But then it also leaves it open to a lot of exploitation and so on. And um, with all these moving parts, frameworks take a while to develop. But we are now in this stage where Attics Web, which is covered in the book, is now quite mature. And uh, Rocket um, Framework, which is also covered in the book as like a add-on, is kind of like it's still in what we call unstable or nightly rust, but it's moving into stable rust in its next couple of releases. So now we have these tools that are, we're looking at it and we're saying, yes, these are these are starting to become mature enough to actually develop in them. Now we've had um, you know conversations about the language off air and we've talked a little bit about, you know, the compile is just slow with Rust still, despite all of its benefits and the memory safety and the speed of the language. When you go to compile a program, it's very slow. Um, does this... Do you see this becoming a problem in web development or is this just something that you have to deal with? Um, I, yeah, I think it's a trade-off. So I think if you're building a single page application, then it's a bit of a headache and it's like, why would you go through all this? But you, it's kind of like unit testing or something like this. You get the benefits when the system grows. 
So I've often had it with Python backend frameworks where we get something up and running very quickly and it's really nice, but the architecture is very bad and there's some silent bugs happening in the backend and then it starts to get some real pain points and you only really realize that in production. With Rust, it has this really strong you know, um, borrow checking and it has this really strong type checking. And in order to ensure the safety, it will make sure that all the all the um, borrowing of certain variables and so on is all in sync and it all works and it will refuse to compile if it's not done like that. And initially, it's a bit of a headache because you're thinking, why am I having to go through this again and again just to get this to compile? But when it does compile, you're very confident that it's safe and uh, you're not going to get these silent bugs. You can still get bugs, obviously, but... Your, your confidence is much bigger. Um, it has kind of like a debug, you know, compiling, which is a bit faster, but it's not really optimized. And then it has a production kind of compiling, which is much faster in production, you know, it's, um, but it takes a lot longer to compile. Uh, I have recently brought the M1 MacBook with the new chip and it compiles a lot quicker. But it's, yeah, your development initially, development initially will be slower, but I think overall you will save yourself some pain, you know, in the long run, once you get competent with it and you get used to the compiling and knowing how to develop and then knowing when to hit the compile and stuff like that. Now, there are a bunch of other well-established <coughs> languages in the web development space, you know, Java, JavaScript, Python, just to name a few. How does Rust compare to these languages? You know, why would you choose Rust for web development over some of the other more commonly used languages? So um, Rust is still a bit more of a headache to code in than something like Python. I mean, I do like Python. You can kind of pretty much do whatever you want in it. You can get anything to inherit anything else and all this. Um, but Rust, I would say, is kind of like going into the microservices. That's where. So if you want to do a lot of complex business logic straight away or you want to do data science, then I think something like Python is going to be a better choice. This is more for like you've you've got kind of like a simple um process but it's going to take a lot of traffic um so the memory is going to be really tight uh it's going to be very fast and it's it's going to be very safe so something like an auth server is a very obvious example if you're looking to dip your toe in because you kind of know that you have to create a new user delete a user do the authentication via tokens that sort of thing um and then it's kind of like an appendage with that. Uh, the other thing with Rust as well is that it's got bindings to things like Python. So you can kind of code a Python module in Rust and it'll compile and then it can be imported into Python. So it has its place in both areas. And it's kind of like an extra tool that you kind of reach for, for a certain service that you want to kind of work on and, or provide. And uh, there are people, companies like TrueLayer and so on, uh, and that's the the chief engineer at TrueLayer in the UK is a financial tech company. Uh, he's also writing a book on Rust as well, Zero to Production, which I'd have to mention. And um, they're kind of building like whole layers of systems in in Rust in that sort of respect. Um, I think as well the community is going to focus on microservices because I have had word from the publisher that I'm working with that they are looking at producing a second edition of the microservices with Rust in the future as well. How are you seeing Rust being used? Are you seeing it or do you recommend 
these whole systems being written in Rust, or are you seeing it used in a combination of other languages? So I see it being used in a combination of other languages um, in kind of like areas that require a lot of like uh, speed and energy, like well, memory, sorry. So um, another example would be like message busing, you know, um, so messaging server for event-driven systems, that sort of thing. Simple kind of processes that or single point of truth things, you know, that have to kind of get it right, get it quick, and get it done. But again, less so in like the data science or the very complex um, business logic where with prototyping is involved. It's kind of like when you're moving certain features that are very solid into like production phase is where I'm seeing it used the most. Um, another area is cryptocurrency. So a lot of cryptocurrency um you know, companies are now leaning on Rust because they're quite computationally expensive. Now, how is the tooling landscape around Rust for web development? You know, you mentioned the Addix framework. Are there other frameworks? Um, you know, what what tools are available for web developers to start using Rust in their projects? So for um, the database, there's a one called Diesel, a crate called Diesel. It kind of connects to a database and it does its migrations, but you have to write the SQL manually. So it's uh, if you're not used to writing SQL, then, you know, I mean, it's a good time to learn, I guess. Um, that's kind of like the best one I'd lean on. There are other crates being used, but even the most common crates are kind of in their early stages. So I wouldn't recommend jumping onto any sort of ORM at the minute apart from diesel. And then as we said, Attics is very um mature now and Rocket is coming into it. And I'd say Rocket is very much like if anyone's developed Flask um apps in Python, it pretty much mimics that syntax. So you'd be very comfortable with that. They've done a very good job at kind of keeping those pretty much the same. Um with like a decorator across a function that defines a view. And then we've got, I, we also cover Warp framework, which is, um, again, quite different to the other two. So they all have quite different approaches. But this one's kind of more new. It's kind of um, not much documentation. And the error code, you know, the error messages are a bit strange sometimes, and they kind of fill up your whole terminal very quickly. So um, it's up and coming now. I wouldn't be too hard on the developers. It's just it's a newer framework and need to iron out the kinks. There are some also dead frameworks. So um, we were initially going to look at Iron, but then you sometimes just come across these GitHub repos and they haven't been touched for like a year. Uh, so there is still quite a bit of turnover. And that was initially why Rust was not favorable for a while because it kept introducing breaking changes and people had to keep relearning stuff. But, but as I said, the Attics web, the diesel, the rocket, if you keep with those, they're fairly stable now and they won't be making huge breaking changes that's going to get you to wake up one day and if you upgrade, you have to completely rewrite your your code. Um, another one that's very low level is called Hyper and that's a very fast, kind of like minimalistic framework. Um, from what I remember on writing it a couple of years ago, or a year ago, it had introduced some very aggressive breaking changes. But I think that's also smoothing out as well, and that's going to be updated in the microservices uh, with Rust book for the second edition that PACT is going to offer as well. Great. Now tell me a little bit about your upcoming book. You know, why did you think it was necessary to write this? Or why do you think, um, you know, now is the time 
to bring Russ into the web programming space? Um, it was through online forums. So I started, I came from a Python background and I didn't do C++. Um, so stuff like if it doesn't have a garbage collector, it kind of, in you know, it kind of made me uh, kind of freeze up a bit. And I think, oh, maybe I'm not qualified. And I started, we started getting choke points, you know, in some of the jobs I was working on. And it's just like, you need to pick a faster language. And that's when I started looking into Rust and I did it very gingerly at first and then I realized it was nowhere near as big bad and dangerous as people were saying and there was actually quite a lot of misinformation so people would just arbitrarily call it a systems language and by default because they called it a systems language it doesn't mean it's good for web development and uh, people would just say oh it's really hard and when I started looking at the borrow checking and that sort of thing, it took a bit of a while to get your head around it. But if you could code in something like Python or JavaScript, once you've got your head around borrow checking, it's really not too heavy. So that's when I came up with the idea that we should really write a book that's kind of engineered for people that can code in you know, other web programming languages. And we don't cover like what's a loop, what's a function, all that sort of stuff, because you know, as a developer in those languages, you should already know that. And it kind of just focuses on the weird quirks that Rust introduces that you'd have to kind of become accustomed to. So a string kind of has a pointer and then it gets put on the heap, you know. Um, so it's that sort of, and you have to kind of reference it and dereference it. And you have to kind of denote like what type, what size the integer is to kind of allocate that memory. It's these sorts of small things which... Once you have them explained to you, you're not kind of, it's not as intimidating. And I think that was the thing that people with memory safe programming languages, they kind of just look at a bit of syntax and they pick it up quite quickly. They see these memory allocation issues and they think, oh gosh, I'm wading into something too, too hard. And it's kind of saying, no, there's these simple rules that if you just get accustomed to them, you can code just as productively. Now what, sort of hands-on um, guidance will the book provide? So it starts with an introduction saying, like, these are the quirks to the Rust programming language, and this is what you have to learn if you want to develop in it. Then it goes on to, like, building a basic web server. Then it goes on to connecting it to a database and running your migrations. And then it adds in some middleware so you can authenticate, um, you know, uh, user tokens and you can you can try and authenticate and get the user id from the token and um then it starts it does it in a very modular fashion so we get the reader to build their own modules and their own crates within the app and we do this all in attics web and we also serve some uh, html and css and javascript so they have a fully functioning to do app that they click on the front end and it, it will get to do um items that uh, for for the user account and they can manipulate it all they want through the front end then we go through the devops side so we build some kind of like pipelines that kind of contain because it's all all the database and so on is managed in docker and uh, we configure the nginx the rust app the um, database and so on and we spin it up and we put it onto a um, AWS EC2 instance. The reader should be able to do that and then connect it to a proper database if they want to. So they should be able to, with NGINX and everything else, 
actually launch their app because that's another thing with a lot of online tutorials is that rust is kind of covered in it's like oh this is how you um get an app running and it says hello world and then you say okay great and that's it whereas this kind of goes the extra way and say this is how you can actually put it onto an aws server with nginx and get it running and then we also cover like um you know body checking of the request and that sort of thing and JSON serialization. And because we got the reader to um, build the module separately within the app, we then switched to like Rocket and we switched to Warp and they can just copy and paste some of the modules that they coded for the previous app and just plug it straight into the other, into the other framework. Kind of, it's kind of focused on, using the framework for routing, but trying to get them to take as little dependency on these kind of frameworks as possible. So they can kind of jump around and try different frameworks without having to completely rewrite their code. Great, thanks, Maxwell. Um, unfortunately, I think that's all the time we're gonna have on the podcast today. But if our listeners would like to learn more about Rust in the web development space, the book Rust Web Programming will be out March 9th of this year. And uh, Maxwell, before we go, you know, where can our listeners get their hands on this book? So um, you can go on the PACT website or you can go on Amazon. And Amazon, they do have a 25% discount f- for readers um, on this for for this podcast. And uh, that's kind of that's valid until the 20th of February. So it's from now on to the 20th of February, you can get 25% off the uh, book. And I think I'll, you've got the code, so I guess it's in the description. Or Yeah, definitely. We will put the dis- code in the description for our listeners. And, um, you know, thanks again for joining us, Maxwell. Until next time, you guys have been listening to What the Devs. <laughs>